different here um, because when I tell people to greet each other, there's about 17 people in here. Um, <laughs> so take just just 30 seconds and greet the people around you. OK. <laughs> I need that mic over here. Uh, we're going to need that. Yeah, that's great. See that? You missed each other. <laughs> when I told you to greet each other in the very beginning, all, all, all 15 of you got to know each other pretty well. Um, it's it's kind of like almost funny at Grace Chapel now. I just, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the latecomers, which is almost all of us. Um, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. We're going to um, end one series and begin another on the same Sunday. All right? Because we really need to finish off BU... Uh, this morning, and at the same time, I want to kick off Wise Up, which is going to the book of Proverbs. We are going to have a really good time from now until August going through the book of Proverbs because we're going to hit so many different subjects, so many different uh, concepts. Deb and my wife and I, Debbie, were talking about it uh, yesterday how, um, how, you know, how many different topics can be covered through the book of Proverbs. You think, well, the book of Proverbs, I'm not really sure that's going to be applicable to me. Oh, my goodness. From a cultural standpoint, things we're dealing with right today, the book of Proverbs is going to be a great book to walk through and to deal with some of these topics. So we'll end BU and start wise up, wise up this morning. All right. So I'll start with reading from the book of uh, Proverbs, uh, starting in chapter 19, verse 17. It says this, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he has done. That literally means that when you give something to someone, a poor person, someone who is poor and needy, when you give that gift of yourself, of your money, of your time, whatever it is, if you give that gift to someone, it's like giving that gift directly to God the Father. It's like when Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these in the New Testament, you did for me. This is the Old Testament version of that. So when you do something for someone, when you care for someone, it's like Jesus said, whatever you did for them, you did for me. And God, the father is saying, whatever, whatever gift you gave to them, you're giving to me. I love that. It's like a literal gift. When you get to heaven, you're standing before God. He's going to thank you for thank you for that kind gesture. Thank you. Thank you. And your Lord, when do we give you these things? And he'll run through all the things you did for people who were in need. So a few weeks ago, we talked about what it means to serve. Remember, go back about three weeks. We talked about local missions and what we were doing locally. So we do so many things locally right here at home, and we really couldn't do it all in one sermon. So I split it up, and we had uh, Palm Sunday and Easter. So we skipped those two weeks, and now we're going to finish off that sermon that I did three weeks ago. All right? So we talked we talked about serving and who we should serve. We made a distinction between a person who is truly poor and needy and what the Bible literally calls a lazy sluggard. Okay, so we got poor and needy as opposed to lazy sluggard. What I didn't realize when I was going to that sermon was I was once again going countercultural. I really didn't think about when I was preaching. I just thought that's a biblical term. There's a reality. You have sluggards and you have people who are truly poor. And I was making the distinction for the church. 
What I didn't realize is I was, again, running headlong into challenging our culture. And I, I thought to myself, I guess, I guess in our entitled, tolerant of everything, politically correct world, it's becoming more and more difficult. Now, I didn't get any nasty hate mail or anything. People were just asking a lot of questions. But in this culture, I guess it's becoming much more difficult to basically speak biblical truth and use biblical terms to do that. Um, becoming unacceptable. So I thought to myself, maybe we should change the word sinner in the Bible and not use it anymore. You know what I mean? Because they don't want to offend anybody. Instead of using the word sinner, we can use the word morally challenged. Right? Someone kills someone. Someone goes off and steals all someone's money who's in the hospital, whatever else. They're morally challenged. Right? So, you know, because we don't, obviously, it's like the terrorist thing. It's, you know, 9-11, it's not a terrorist act. It's a man-made disaster. You know, because we don't want to insult the poor terrorists, you know what I mean? Hurt their feelings or anything. So, I mean, that's kind of the world we're beginning to live in. And I didn't realize, because I was using the word lazy slugger, and some people never really heard that term in the book. If you read the book of Proverbs, you'll, you'll hear it a lot. But I never heard that term and thought I was just throwing slurs out again. I was lazy sluggards or whatever. Now it's a biblical term. Um, and also, it, it, if, if someone's a lazy sluggard, listen, it doesn't do those folks any good to encourage their behavior. How is it, think about this, how is it loving and compassionate? You're going, to hear, you're going to hear that word, too, in the political arena coming up. I love listening to political catchwords and what they're going to use and why they're using them. Compassion is going to be a big word, all right? But how is it compassionate or loving or kind or whatever word you want to use to encourage someone to destroy their own life and the lives of people around them? How is that loving and compassionate? to encourage someone to continue a behavior that ultimately could destroy their lives. And here's the thing. I love you all. I promise. I really do from the bottom of my heart, whether you're a sluggard or not here this morning. Okay. But if you're a sluggard, it's a sin. And I won't stop using the terminology. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm too old. I'm not going to use terminology that's different. It's a sin. And I'll tell you another word. If it really bothers you, hold your ears for a second. It's wrong. Okay. It's wrong. I thought about you. That's the word wrong. And people, you can't say it's wrong. You shouldn't tell people they're wrong. You're, how many parents are here? Raise your hand. All right. Yeah. A lot of parents. Did you ever tell your child they're wrong? Right. Okay. I make my point. All right. So we're going to continue to use the word wrong. Um, and if you're, if you are a sluggard, um, and I'm going to tell you that's a sin and it's also wrong because I, in my heart, so desperately want you to change. God will accept us wherever we are, but he doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to grow. He wants us to transform. And it's my job as a pastor to encourage you wherever you are to take that next step in your spiritual journey. Nothing wrong with, you know, you know, once you were a slugger and now you're not, boy, now you're just you're moving forward and God's using you. And really what I was trying to do then and even this morning is make a distinction, a real distinction between taking care of someone and being taken by someone. There's a difference. Taking care and, and taking care of a person who's poor and needy. That's what we want to do. But I'll, I don't want us to be taken by someone, okay? And there's a huge difference. You can be taken by people. You can be taken advantage by people, okay, because of your kindness and goodness. So we want to make a distinction there. And, and listen, if, if you have to err on the side of making a mistake, err on the side of, of doing for people, not on the side of, oh, everyone's, oh, everyone's out for, no. 
I mean, error on the side of, of giving. God's not going to God's not going to go hit us with light bolt of lightning because we gave someone to someone who didn't deserve it. You're going to err, err on the side of giving that rather than not giving. OK, but just what I'm saying is we need to use our discernment. OK, and that's why I want to go through the book of Proverbs our wisdom and our discernment to know who we're going to invest our time, our resources into. Okay. A lot of hurting people out there. So you want to stay focused on who you're going to give those resources to. All right. So a few weeks ago, we talked and we focused most of our attention on our, our local outreach. What are we doing locally? If you want to go back and hear it three weeks ago or so, we did that right before uh, Easter and Palm Sunday. So grab that tape. You can hear all about what we're doing. This morning, I want to focus more on what we're doing globally. What is happening with our global ministry? What are some of the things that are, that are going on there? And I'm going to try really hard, and I'm going to mention this again at the end, but uh, Wednesday night, we're getting back together here at 6.30. And if you have questions or whatever else, you can bring those up. But I want so much for each person to walk out of here understanding how Grace Chapel does outreach ministry, how we do missions, because it's very different than the many churches, the way many churches do it. All right. So if you have questions, bring them back on Wednesday. I'm going to try my best to keep us clear and focused. All right. There's there there's uh, there are there are two mission arms to Grace Chapel, two mission arms. One of them is a ministry that my wife, Debbie, and I started in 1996 called Back to Back Ministries. A lot of you heard of Back to Back do missions all over the world. And the other one is called self-sustaining enterprises. Those are the two missions arms of our church. Okay, so we have back-to-back ministries and self-sustaining enterprises. Those are our partners. Those are the ministries that we work with. Now, we work with other ministries, Campus Crusade for Christ, but those are the two focal point arms of how we do missions here at Grace Chapel. So if with back-to-back ministries... Back to back uh, since uh, 1997, really, has been transforming people's lives in Mexico. We have truly seen now students, children grow up with back to back ministries and we've seen their lives completely transformed. I have a video that I want to show you from back to back ministries. Back to Back exists to care for orphans all around the world. We do that by providing what we call Care for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. Care for Today, that's the basic needs of an orphan on a daily basis. But it doesn't stop there, providing hope for tomorrow. That's the opportunity we give any of the children that we serve to go on and study either high school or college education. Our name, Back to Back, comes from the idea that we wanted to find nationals who were already doing orphan care that we will stand back to back with them. Whatever it is they need in order to wake up and still feel excited about what God's called them to do, we work really hard to find those pieces and to come stand beside them. My name is Marta Rojas. God gave me this work. Casa Hogar is like a shelter. We are getting the children. They have no relatives or they have no money to support them. They are orphan children. We were about two or three years working when I was praying because I have no money. And I remember when Todd and Beth, they come here, she told me, what do you need? From that time, they never had lived me. They are ready to help me in everything. Well, I feel like they are part of my family. Mm. It's part of my, my heart. They don't give only money, they give love. 
Back to Back founded the Hope Education Program so that we would be able to provide for all the orphans that we care for an opportunity to go on to high school and college education. That privilege isn't available to anyone without means or resources. So we invite any of the orphans we serve to move with us onto our campus and to do what the Apostle Paul says, share not only the gospel with them, but our life as well. My name is Rodolfo. It was a huge influence in my growth here in the Houses in the Hope program. I grew up in Castle Douglas, which is children's home that we work with. I remember that getting into high school, it was kind of like my highest goal. And then back to back, started working with that home. They started investing in me. All it took, it was somebody who believed in me more than I would believe in myself. Through that, it started changing my mindset. The way that back to back impact and changed my life, it was not just providing money for high school, it was way more and that care for today is working with all the issues that this kid has. For example, my father walked away. That's a huge tear in my heart. I was dropped off in a children's home. That's another chunk of my heart that was uh, destroyed. So, back to what came, for example, and uh, through a lot of investment in my life, I was able to break all those bandages, healing my heart, healing my spirit. Because of this, because of my education, I am who I am right now. Yes, we provide the care for today. Yes, we give them food and we give them medicine and we give them a roof over their head. And yes, we provide them hope for tomorrow and we pay every educational bill that they have. But far greater than that, we care about the whole child. Providing care for today and hope for tomorrow is about more than raising orphans. It's about changing the lives of children who will be somebody's mother one day and father, someone's teacher and someone's doctor. And for Back to Back and the children that we serve, that change starts today. That's really neat, isn't it? Seeing children coming out of those orphanages. Amen. You can clap all you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rodolfo, it's so funny. Rodolfo, when he was 11 years old, I asked him, well, what do you want to do with your life, man? You know, we were standing in, in Casahara Douglas, and I'll never forget it. His head was, he hung his head, and he was kind of shuffling his feet in the dirt, and he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. He speaks five languages now. He's going for his master's in international business. He's one of the leaders on our campus there. He's on staff. One of the leaders just got married. Um, when, when we used to go into the children's homes, the kids would run up because they, the Americans were there. They want to see the Americans. And, you know, we were the, oh, you know, we were the man and everything. You know, who's the man now? Rodolfo. And the kids who graduated from, we have so many kids now who've come out of the uh, children's homes who have graduated from college, okay, from college. And you take the people who are the least of these and you raise them up and give them the best education they become the lowest percentile. Now they're in the top percentile in Mexico because of the education. You know, it's, you know, I remember sitting in a board meeting one time with Back to Back, and we decided we're going to take those children the same way we take our children from birth all the way through the nest and letting them go. And that means getting an education, giving them a trade or something. It's amazing to see the lives that have been totally, totally transformed. Now, through Back to Back, and there's a partnership, obviously, with Back to Back and Self-Sustaining Enterprises, and it's all a part it's all part of what we're doing here at Grace Chapel as well. Through back-to-back -back Nigeria, back-to-back -back Nigeria, and Nigeria itself was really birthed out of Grace Chapel, okay? This, we started as a church. We decided we're going to go to Nigeria as a church, and we're going to build a, a self-sustaining community there. 
And we did that, and over time, back-to-back was able to move there with staff. Emily and Jason are there full-time. We have other, other full-time staff now. Will and Teresa are there full-time. Brian and Karen Hitchcock are there full-time. So we have full-time staff on the ground. Beth told me uh, this week that we have 50 staff people on the ground in Mexico, and uh, we had four co- two couples go home from Nigeria. So we have six American staff now on the ground, but probably another 15 or so Nigerian staff on the ground or 20 in Nigeria as well. So the ministries are really, really growing there. But back-to-back Nigeria has provided resources to a children's home there. We call them children's homes instead of orphanages because it's difficult for the kids to, you know, when they hear that. Um, an orphanage there to become more self-sustaining. Here's what, here's what we've done. Throw those pictures up. If you can see, um, over on the, the left-hand side, that's the chicken farm. Now, this is in, this is on the property, not on our property. This is on the property of the children's home. We provided them with the resources to get a chicken farm started. Also, there's cattle there on the right-hand side. Uh, they, they have about probably 15 head of cattle uh, we also have a, a fish farm that's been started there, not an aquaponic system, but just a regular fish farm that they started. And they're using that. To, they sell those things to help support the, the children's home, the children in the home, the children in the orphanage. Um, they also can take those. You got beef. You have chicken, you have fish, you get eggs. Those are all good proteins for brain development. So the kids are eating much better than they've ever eaten before because we want to create a sustainable model wherever we go. We want to create sustainability. So that's what's happening through back-to-back ministries. There's so much. We're going to different places all around the world in the next year. There's so many things happening. There's things happening in India. And I, don't, I can't kind of spill the beans this morning, but we're going to other places around the world that you'll be able to visit. And we want to come, keep coming alongside of back-to-back ministries and what we're, what's happening there. The other, the, other arm, the other arm is called Self-Sustaining Enterprises. And we started Self-Sustaining Enterprises in 2002. The vision of self-sustaining enterprise is to be a global community of spiritual entrepreneurs. Now, the difference is help for today and hope for tomorrow with back-to-back. With SSC, it's, it's being a global community of spiritual entrepreneurs, unleashing dreams, resourcing opportunities, and transforming lives as we try to eliminate systemic poverty. That's our goal. So we want to build a financial base for the ministries that we have all over the world. Our goal with self-sustaining enterprises is to create that financial, ongoing financial base to do the work of ministry. Now, yes, we're going to ask you for money through swap, and we're going to use some of our money that we have here at the church to, to invest in missions, but we're all, that's not where it's going to end. We want to create a sustainable model business model, ministry model that will help fund those initiatives that cannot fund themselves. We want to create opportunities there. So SSE is trying to build a a long-term financial sustainable future for our global community, not only here, but around the world. Now, through SSE here at home, we have a couple things going on. You've heard these things in bits and pieces. I'm trying to put them together for you. Through a self-sustaining enterprises, which was birthed out of Grace Chapel, okay, it's a, five, it's a separate 501c3, but we pretty much oversee it. We've started what we call business trees, okay, a business tree. It's the best of business tree and uh, best of business and, and ministry. We, we, we take the money that we get from the business trees and we steward those dollars into ministry. That's the goal. We have a few business trees going on right now. We have new to you thrift stores. We have one here in Mason. 
We have one in uh, in Hamilton and then we have another one in Clifton where a church that we partner with in Clifton is running that new to you thrift store. So we have those thrift stores uh, here and, and they always need I'm going to th- throw a little plug out here. If you're doing your spring cleaning right now, new to you could really use your items, okay? Bring them all over to the Mason store, drop them off there. We are, that, that ministry is profitable, okay? I say it like that because it really is, and we're making a decent amount of money. So the more you pour into, the more profit we get that we can invest in these, in these things that we're doing here and around the world, okay? So we have the one here in Mason. We have one in, in, uh, in Hamilton. We all, and with, with uh, new to you, what we do is we, um, we, we've, we've created jobs. We give out vouchers to people um, who are in our community who are in need. They may go in, even if it's a thrift store, they can't afford it. Their house burned down. They've lost their job. The church then gives vouchers to them that they can go in and shop at the thrift store for free. We also give We've literally given tons of clothing. We give it every single week to Matthew 25 Ministries. We, we bag up the clothes. They come and pick it up in their big truck. You'll see it coming in and out of here all the time because we partner with Matthew 25 and they distribute those clothes all over the world. So we're doing those kinds of things uh, through the New to Youth Thrift Store and it's going really, really well. Uh, we also have what we call Rockefeller's Pizza. It's a pizza parlor and it's in, uh, in Sharonville. Rockefeller's Pizza we bought probably three year, three or four years ago. Uh, we've, ex- we've doubled the size. If you haven't been there in a while, we've doubled the space, uh, the restaurant space there at Rockefeller's. But we also, from same time last year, doubled the profits. Okay? Ron McCann is now overseeing uh, our business tree side of things, and he's done a wonderful job helping to expand those business trees and cut back what we don't need, uh, we don't need to expand. And so Rockefellers has really taken off. It's doing very, very well. We have good management there, good oversight. It's not like your pastor has to run around and run, run businesses or anything. We have people in place. Chuck Prophet will be coming up in a, in, a, in a moment to share some of these. We have people in place who are, who are uh, overseeing these areas and, and impacting people's lives. Um, we also, now you might be thinking, well, what about specialty? You know, we had specialty right across the street. We actually sold specialty. So specialty would be in the hands of someone else that they would, they would like to partner with self-sustaining enterprises. That would be nice where they can give to SSC part of the profits. That's totally up to them, but that's a, that's a business tree that we started and we have now sold. So God has truly been blessing us. We're in a position now to start fulfilling the vision that we've had for the years since we started self-sustaining enterprises. God has done amazing things. And my friends, we have just gotten started. Now, all of these business trees will not only provide profits to create businesses in developing nations, because I'm going to give this to you again, the businesses that we start here, the business trees, they create income. We take the profits and we invest them. This is one of the things we do. We invest them in developing nations into other business trees in those developing nations where they fund initiatives that can't fund themselves, like education and healthcare. Those two things really don't fund themselves. But from starting business trees here and investing in business trees in third world countries, that the money then will fund initiatives that can't fund themselves, like I said, education and healthcare. But so we're doing all that. But there are more exciting things that are happening right here at home. It's not just taking money and giving it to developing nations. What's happened is ministry is going on right here at home. And I asked Chuck Prophet to come up this morning and just share with you some of the ways that's, ha- that's happening on a regular kind of day to day basis right here in our own community. Good morning. 
I really like the metaphor of self-sustaining enterprises and back-to-back ministries being like two arms for the missions work that flows out of Grace Chapel. Uh, But I extend that even further and say it's kind of like a one-two punch Mm -hmm. because what self-sustaining enterprise does is to generate sustainable funding so that back-to-back can be cultivating healthy lives. Those two things are synergistic. They are literally left-hand, right-hand. Now, the business trees, as we call them, these self-sustaining enterprises that generate sustaining funds for ministry work, those are really in the spirit of business plus ministry equals business tree. Mm -hmm. Normally, you have business people who go out and make a lot of money, but they don't necessarily think about ministry work. And you have lots of folks in ministry who have a huge heart to help others, but they never have enough funding. And because of the way our society is set up, We don't often connect the people with the head for business, with the others who have a heart for ministry. And the spirit of businessry is to bring both of those together. At the end of the day, what gets people excited about businessries is that they're an alternative form of funding for ministry or missions work. So instead of capital campaigns or donor development, that kind of thing, you could have profit dollars flowing out of an enterprise to fund missions work, which is neat. Uh, The thing is, though, people often miss the significance of these enterprises, these businesses, on the way to making those dollars. Because the ministry doesn't just happen through the funding that's released, but Mm -hmm. through the operations that are progressing. So, for example, depending on the time of year, SSE here in the United States has about 25 to 30 employees that are working inside of our domestic operations at places like Rockefeller's Pizza or New to You Thrift Store. Those are jobs. That's employment. And in a marketplace right now where those are hard to come by, for the people who have those jobs, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. The second piece that's significant is the way that we look at our customers and the other stakeholders that are part of these enterprises. We don't just look at them as as people that we do transactions with. We build relationships with them. They're an opportunity for us to do ministry as we work. So, for example... In the three new-to-you thrift stores over the last two years, we have led 22 people to Christ. Mm. Amen. Now, those are 20. Thank you. That is worth clapping. Those are 22 people who would never walk inside the church, but the church could walk into their lives Mm -hmm. in the form of a thrift store. So we can really affect lives even as we're operating. And the third thing, which some of us old-timers here at Grace Chapel can appreciate, is that you can be a blessing to the community in which these little enterprises are situated. For example, the New to You thrift store here in Mason used to be in an abandoned and really run-down and dirty old factory facility. It's been completely renovated. So when people from Mason are driving up and down Reading Road or driving onto this campus, they're seeing a space that's literally been revitalized because that's what business is about as it operates and in the way that it funds. Thank you. Good job. Chuck has been a part of uh, self-sustaining enterprises really from near the very beginning. Um, Embarrassing or anything. He's got, he's a, he's a Harvard business grad and it's really nice to be surrounded by people who just know what the heck they're doing in business um, and, you know, as you think about this, I'm going to be real quick because we have so much to get through. But, you know, here's the church, the body of Christ. 
And, and everyone here has different gifts and abilities. But we've lim- literally eliminated, I mean, about 80% of the gifts and abilities in the churches today because we don't use them. You know, we don't use so many gifts, so many talents, so many abilities of the people of the body of Christ because we've kind of separated things out. We talked about a few, uh, few weeks ago, the secular and the sacred. We said, you know, there's, there's secular, the world says they're secular, and then you have sacred, uh, and then you have sinful. And what we said a few weeks ago, which is biblically true, sacred is real, sinful is real, but secular is not biblical. It's not real. It's a word that someone made up. It's, it's Plato's philosophy, basically, that we bought into. So you think about business for a second, or business tree. Why would we not engage in this, in, in this endeavor? Because if it's, if it's not sinful, it's sacred. It belongs to God. Everything that we do, we say, we think, we feel, belongs to God. And if it's not sinful, it's sacred. So what, what, what Chuck just described, and I just described before, is sacred. God loves it. It's using our creativity. It's using the body of Christ to come together and using all of their gifts and all of their talents and all of their abilities to further the kingdom of God. Isn't that what we're supposed to be all about? That's what we're supposed to be about. And it's about using every bit of your abilities to make that happen. So we're doing that. Um, it's really uh, one of the other things that we're doing is that we've, we've, ex- we've expanded into research and development, now in a small way, but I'd like to see this expand in the future. And we're starting out with what we call the aquaponic system. We, a lot of you have heard about this already. We've talked about it the last few months or so. But aquaponics, research and development, what we're trying to do is basically figure out better ways to take care of the poor and the needy around the world or to give them an opportunity to take care of themselves. Aquaponics is basically a mixture of fish farming, aquaculture and hydroponics, which is growing plants in water. And you mix the two together and you get aquaponics. And so we're, we're expanding into research and development to figure out better ways that we can come up with. And as we speak right now, there's a group of high school and junior high students meeting in the Grace Impact Center. And that's what they're working on. Urban gardens, aquaponics, um, you know, uh, uh, solar power. We're going to take the house at the end of the road here, the yellow house. It, we're going to start. You're going to hear about this. We're going to call it the greenhouse. Uh, my, my son-in-law is going to help me design, help us design the outside of it. We're going to paint it a different color, and it's going to be the most uh, eco-friendly building, hopefully, in the next few years in all of Cincinnati, all right? And it's gaining attention already. I've had two people from two newspapers call last week. I didn't call. I didn't tell them what we were doing. You must have told them because they're calling and saying, we're hearing about this church that's doing aquaponics and doing all this green. That's, that's not normal. That's not, not typical, traditional. What's happening over at Grace Chapel, and they're calling and talking about it. But our students, our junior high and high school students and college students, along with about 10 other adults, are working together right now to come up with creative ways that we can help reach out to a hurting, lost and hurting world and feed the needy and feed the poor in, in, uh, in I would say, um, uh, eco-friendly ways. It's a great, think about this for a second, what a great way to reach out to our culture without compromising at all. God made the world. We want to be we want to be a part of that to keep the world, you know, looking good and, you know, and being healthy. That's just a part of who we are as Christians. And so this is going to be an exciting, exciting time for our church as we move forward. Uh, Another thing that we're doing is we're creating uh, business training material. We're going to we're going to create business training material. Um, a curriculum that will train young or ever old, younger or older entrepreneurs in developing nations. 
Our vision here at the church is to come up with over the next three years, we're going to have the best uh, third world or developing nations uh, training material curriculum anywhere. That's our goal. That's our goal. And you think, well, how are we going to do that? Think about the minds that we have right here in our own body, all working together to put this together. We want to train. We trained 40 to 45 young entrepreneurs when we were in Nigeria. And it was exciting to give people opportunity to train them. They just want someone to come along and give them that extra boost. So we're going to come into whether it's Haiti or Nigeria or Mexico or India or wherever we are all around the world. And we're going to train young entrepreneurs how to how to begin that business and work it all the way through. That's that's our goal. We go into a place, we just don't jump, dump a big bag of grain off and say, you know, hope you eat for a couple weeks. What we want to do is give them an opportunity to dream about the future. That's the goal. I don't know about you, but I would rather starve to death than you tell me I can't dream anymore. If you said you can either eat the rest of your life or stop dreaming, I'd rather just stop eating than stop dreaming. Because once I stop dreaming, life just becomes an existence not real life. We're creating real life and opportunity for people, not just giving them an existence so they can eat the next day. And so we're training these young entrepreneurs, and I asked Brent to come up. Brent was with us on our last trip to Nigeria. I asked him to come up and share his experiences in Nigeria in the, training, in the area of training. Well, thank you, Jeff. And uh, as Jeff said, my name is Brent Pachochin, and um, I was one of the participants in the uh, trip to Nigeria in March. And uh, I signed up for the trip because I felt like I felt a pretty strong and obvious calling that I was supposed to go on this trip. But like many of us that went on the trip, I wasn't exactly clear why I felt that calling. Well, I met with our trip's leader in January. And he was telling me about how uh, recently a, a poultry farm was set up on our property in Nigeria. And on this particular trip, we'd be setting up an aquaponic system to grow the vegetables and um, fish at the same time. And that our goal would be to build a logistics plan to profitably distribute the chicken, the fish, and the vegetables to the market. And um, he said the only problem was that on this trip there wasn't really anybody with a background in logistics or distribution. And when he said that, I think I went into shock for just a couple of seconds. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I do distribution and operations at my company. Logistics is exactly what I do. This is unbelievable. Now maybe, maybe I was set up. <laughs> but I could tell you at that, at that point in time, I realized what my purpose was for this trip and perhaps what my purpose is even longer term. And I also felt an overwhelming sense of excitement and gratefulness and closeness to God. And I praised God for tapping me to allow me to use my business skills, my business skills of all things, business skills, to help the ministry. The leader also told me that um, we would be facilitating business training seminars and for, for individuals interested in starting their own businesses. And at those business training seminars, as Jeff mentioned, we train probably over 40 people, ranging in the ages of 15 to 32. And they all had very specific dreams in mind. Some wanted to be chicken farmers. 
Someone wanted to be fish farmers. Someone wanted to be a tailor. Someone wanted to be a hairdresser. Someone wanted to be a miner. Someone wanted to be a shoe manufacturer. Um, but let me tell you, all of these folks had an incredible passion to learn and a very, very strong desire to succeed. And to just put things a little bit into perspective, about 70% of the population in Nigeria is below the poverty line. And that would, there's only three other countries in the world that have a greater percent of their population below the poverty line. Nigeria's minimum wage, if you have a job, is $120 a month. The Nigerians that we met had an incredible work ethic, and I won't get into how I am with a pickaxe, but I could tell you they, <laughs> they schooled me. They had an incredible work ethic, and they're inquisitive, and they want to be mentored. They want to build, and they've got some incredible dreams. They want to build Christ-centric businesses. They were awesome students. I mean, they fired me up to want to help them because they had such a strong desire to learn and a strong desire to succeed. So my business role in Nigeria continues even today. I'm continuing to build a logistics plan to help get that, uh, those products that I mentioned earlier to the market. Our idea is over the next 24 months, we, as more businesses are set up in the, villages, in the village of Kisayap, we would help them combine their resources to build a co-op to penetrate markets that they currently can't penetrate with their volume to places in the city, large businesses and hotels and so forth. In addition to, to that, as Jeff mentioned, we're in the process of developing a comprehensive business training program. And that program is going to consist of how to set up a business plan, finance, logistics, distribution, just to name a few of the areas, as well as more technical skills such as aquaponics and poultry farming. Part of the bigger picture beauty of developing these plans and this training program is that it becomes replicatable. Mm -hmm. And as we achieve success in Nigeria, and we will, we can replicate that success in other areas of the world, whether it be India or Haiti or Mexico. So my question to all of you is, do you have business experience and feel a calling to share those skills to further the kingdom of God? Are you a small business owner? Are you a retired business leader? Are you a corporate trainer? Are you in human resources? Are you in project management, finance, legal, engineering, marketing, merchandising, creative, banking, purchasing? Distribution, operations, manufacturing, sales, maintenance, facilities, engineering. The list goes on and on and on, but all of you can help. So I would suggest, if you feel the calling to extend your business expertise, I would trust in God. You may not have all the answers, and I certainly didn't, as I explained in the beginning, nor did several of us. You may not have all the answers in terms of why you feel this calling, but I would suggest go out on a limb and pursue it. If you've been feeling this way and been sitting on the sidelines, I would say now is the time. It's going to be pleasing to God. He'll provide the answers over time, and you'll be changing lives.
your path will be blessed. Don't let fear or the unknown stop you from pursuing your calling. Don't let fear or the unknown stop you from pursuing your calling. And if you find that you're interested or or you might be interested or you'd like to learn more about the business ministry, there is a sign-up sheet at the welcome desk. You can just give us your contact information and we'd be happy to call you and tell you more about it. Thank you. Hey, who, who needs me up here? Was, it was, I'm telling you, you guys did such an incredible job. Of, it, it's hard to get up and speak. It really is. I'm used to it. But I called these guys and said, hey, would you mind sharing your testimony a little bit before, uh, during this time? And they, they said, yes. What great, guy, great job, guys. Great, great job. Um, we've also drilled, and we've talked about this before, but I want to give you an update. We've also drilled over 100 boreholes. A borehole is not a well. It's, a, it's really a deep, deep water well that comes with, with fresh water, provides fresh water. We have drilled over 100, uh, probably 103 or 4 by, by, uh, by this time, of these deep water wells. And what that translates into is saved lives. We have saved hundreds of lives. As I speak to you, as the words come out of my mouth this morning, since we've started, hundreds of people are breathing right now that would not be breathing if we didn't dig these deep water wells, these boreholes. So just let that sink in for a second. Think about the lives that will have an opportunity to, be, to fulfill their purpose because we were willing to partner with other churches and self-sustaining enterprises and see lives saved and now transformed. Uh, you know what? A picture is worth a thousand words. I want to show you a video.
You know, it's exciting to stand up here, you know, over 10 years ago and say, this is what we're going to do. It's a fact waiting to happen. And then to stand here this morning and to see all this coming about. And it's just the beginning, but God has truly done amazing things. In Nigeria, as we close out here, in Nigeria, we're helping a community become more self-sustaining, not just one, an entire community, an entire village become more self-sustaining. I'm going to run through some of the things that we're doing. We're creating jobs and businesses for people, small businesses, chicken farming. We have, just throw those different out there. That's our chicken farm right there. We have employees who are working for us. Aquaponics, like we talked about. We took our system that we started at Bankins Floors and Greenhouses. We transferred, we transferred it over, not the literal one, but uh, this is the one on the, on the left-hand side. Back up a little bit. Back, go back if you can. On the left-hand side is an urban uh, model. We're going to use that on rooftops or in basements in urban settings. It's about eight feet long, eight feet tall, four feet wide, and we can do it uh, in smaller spaces. The one on the right is the model that we used and we did also in Nigeria. We planted an aquaponic system in Nigeria. Hit those pictures of Nigeria real fast next. See, there's two different pictures, right and left. Uh, it shows the, as we're working on that. So we have a system that is now up, and, and uh, Brian emailed, uh, emailed us recently and said, we have nitrates, which is a big deal. Um, so the plants are growing well now, the fish are growing well, and that becomes a business, that, a small business, and then long-term, a large business that can be run by people in the village. We have a bridal shop that we are, we are setting up. We have got dresses from uh, from some of the larger bridal uh, shops in Cincinnati who give us their very expensive dresses. They used to shred them, like four or $5,000 dresses. They would shred them and throw them in the trash. But from their, their good hearts, they gave them to us because we're taking them to Nigeria, not using them here in the States. And this is our bridal shop. It's hard to see, but it's a really nice area. We're going to set it up, put the bridal dresses in there, and rent them out and sell them. That becomes another job, a sustainable job for people in the community. We also have a food storage uh, system we're setting up. Remember how we sent a, a, a container over with all kinds of great things in it for the people, our missionaries and the people there in Nigeria? We bought the container, so we own the container, because the container itself is a great business street. You can put food in there and store food in there. It'll keep it fresh. You can buy it low and sell it high six months later because you're the only person with that kind of grain left. That creates a job for people in the community. We have an orchard that we set up that's continuing to grow. Uh, through back-to-back ministries, we've purchased a cinder block making machine. We're using it for our own use now to build our facilities there. But then when that's finished, we'll use it as a business tree, a future business tree, where people are now, they're being hired in the community now. It'll just expand in the future. We started a learning center. uh, Throw the learning center up there. It's a gorgeous building. I think the students from the vineyard, uh, actually raise the money to start to to uh, to build that community that learning center real quick story we can only fit a certain amount of kids in the learning center and at a certain age and when I was there it was amazing the kids would sit outside our our group was watching this they would sit outside the window and listen to the lessons that were going on inside it was Truly amazing how much they wanted to learn. We also are, we've built our Oasis Community Center that we're going to use as a trade school. A lot of people are too old to go back to school, but we can develop a trade school. And we're looking right now at the technology. We have a person working on this, the technology to do online training, online school in our Oasis Community Center. Um, Really, my friend, what we're trying to do here is, you know, you say you give a person a fish, they eat for a day. You teach a person a fish, they eat for a lifetime. 
We're going to go, we want to go beyond that. We want, to, we want the people that we're investing in to buy the pond that the fish are in. That's true long-term sustainability. Giving them the pond. Not just giving them a fish or teaching them a fish, but giving them the opportunity to take care of their families long-term. That's true sustainability. Now, I, I'm not going to, we're, we're, we're on time right now, so I'm going to cut it off. And here's what I'd like you to do. I know you have more questions. I know you'd probably like some more clarity. There's a lot more I'd like to talk about, but I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm going to talk about it on Wednesday night, back here on Wednesday night at 630. If you'd like to get involved, if you have questions about anything we talked about this morning, come back 630. We'll have pizza together here and we'll talk about how you can get involved or any questions you have about our global outreach and or our local outreach. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. And we pray, dear God, that you would continue to use us to transform lives here and around the world. We give you all the praise and all the glory for everything that's happening. But God, we pray that you would continue to use this body, that we would not be afraid to go outside of the box to use all of our gifts and abilities to further your kingdom. Everything is sacred, Lord. Everything you created And Lord, we want to give you every part of ourselves. We want to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. If it isn't sinful, then it's sacred, Lord, and it belongs to you. So we pray, dear God, that you would use every ounce of energy, every bit of our skills, of our talents, of our abilities, of our gifts to glorify your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.